This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Welcome to our To The Point Podcast. This is Sarah Gillespie. I'm the Compliance Director at Lipscomb Pitts Insurance in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have with me our ERISA attorney, Stacy Barrow from Marathas Barrow Weatherhead Inlet in Boston. Hello, Stacy. How are you? I'm good, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. So I wanted to just touch on the um, short-term spending resolution that was passed in January and its impact on the ACA taxes. Can you explain what was included and what happened with that? Um, Sure. This is uh, one of the short-term spending bills uh, that was passed to reopen the government. Uh, This was the first one um, that was passed to reopen the government after the three-day shutdown. Um, There was another um, short-term bill as well. Uh, But this one, uh, the one that was passed in January, actually has a few provisions that are relevant to health and welfare benefit plans. Um, Frankly, these changes here are probably even more substantial than the changes that were made under the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which is another law that we talked about um, in the past. Uh, But this one here, the short-term spending bill, um, one thing it does is that it extends the CHIP funding, the Children's Health Insurance Program funding, for six years, and that's through fiscal year 2023. We had actually gone um, over half a year without this program being funded, which is a a real issue uh, for for many states. So it's good to to see that program being refunded. And then for employer plans, um, the Cadillac tax has been delayed two more years to 2022. Um, It had already been delayed two years from 2018 to 2020 under uh, another law called the PATH Act. Uh, But now we have an additional two years to 2022 to be concerned with the Cadillac tax, and that is that 40% tax on high-cost employer-sponsored health coverage that exceeds certain thresholds. And those numbers are $10,200 per year for a single coverage and $27,500 per year for family coverage. Um, And so this is obviously welcome news for many employers. Um, I think they're still kind of looking at ways to fully repeal the Cadillac tax. And um, I'm also hopeful that even if they can't repeal it entirely, that come 2021, um, we'll find uh, that Congress will act again to further delay the Cadillac tax. Um, At least that is uh, what we're hoping for because it does uh, uh, seem to be universally disliked by employers and it has um, some uh, bipartisan support on both sides of the aisle for uh, repealing it, if at all possible. So that's the first one um, that has been delayed by this spending bill. Um, the second uh, element of the spending bill uh, here is the medical device tax. Um, this is a a tax that would have been imposed under the ACA. It's a 2.3% tax on the sale of medical devices. Um, That has been 
um, delayed or there's been a moratorium on it since 2016. So it was not, it has not been in effect for 2016 or 2017. And that moratorium is further extended for 2018 and 2019. And then lastly, um, probably most relevant to employers in the short term is the health insurance industry tax. And that also has been suspended for 2019. Um, the health insurance industry tax is a tax on fully insured medical, dental, and vision plans based on each carrier's net premium. And the, this tax is typically passed through to employers that sponsor those fully insured medical, dental, and vision plans. And if you've ever seen this show up on your renewal, it can add three or four points to the renewal. Um, so it's great that we have a moratorium on it for 2019. Um, it was, it's in effect for 2018. It's not in effect for 2017 or 2019. And so when you're looking at your, your renewals, you know, whether you're a calendar year plan or a non-calendar year plan, it, it will make sense to talk to the carrier and make sure that they've adjusted for this moratorium here and they're not gonna just simply continue to bake in this tax um, on your plan in a year where they're not gonna have to pay it over to the federal government. And I, I say this because we've actually seen renewals um, for 2017 where um, the tax was included and when we called the carrier out on it, they would say something like, well, you know, we've, we've had a, a tough year and we wanna make up for some of our losses and we're gonna impose it anyway. So um, it's something definitely to keep your eye on and, and push back on if at all possible. Definitely. Yeah. And we, we make sure we're looking at our renewals closely. I do want to add one point of clarification that the PCORI fees for fully insured plans will still be built in. That's the Patient-Centered Outcome Research Institute fee, which is another ACA fee that fully insured carriers pay directly, but self-funded plans have to pay themselves. So if you've got a fully insured plan, you may still have that ACA tax in there. Well, you should still have that in there. But the um, bigger tax was that health insurance uh, provider's fee. And so that should not be included. So thanks for breaking that down. Stacey, I did want to go back to the Cadillac tax for just a second. So I had just um, a couple follow-up questions. One, do you think that the 10,002 and the 257 thresholds will adjust since they were established so many years ago and it's continued to be delayed? And I guess that means if it ever comes to fruition. Yes, um, that's that's right. We do expect that those numbers will change, will be indexed for inflation if and when the Cadillac tax goes into effect. So they should be something a little higher um, than the numbers that I disclosed, which are the ones right from the statute um, that was drafted in 2010. And so then I know, I think we've also had conversations in the past about how um, it's hard to see if, or to think that this may go away completely because both sides technically need the money from it, don't they? Well, yeah, it is a revenue raiser for the government for sure. Um, it's wildly unpopular. You know, even the union groups oppose it and, you know, the conservative groups oppose it. So, you know, just from from that aspect, you know, we, we may be able to get it repealed um, but you're right that it's a significant revenue raiser 
for the government, um, although they have actually restated their estimates over the years as to how much money they think it'll bring in. Um, and I know that they've significantly lowered their estimates over the years as they've seen how employers are, are reacting to the, the Cadillac tax. So uh, maybe if they feel they're going to get less money from a revenue perspective, again, it'll just make it all the more palatable to them to repeal it or delay it further. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, well, as always, Stacy, we appreciate and we value your insight. Um, for more on our past conversations about ACA and other topics, we'd love for you to listen in to one of our other podcasts. Thanks for joining us and have a great day.